ladies and gentlemen, now hosting the Rizzo cast, put your hands together for Steven Rizzotto. What is going on, everybody, and welcome. My name is Steven Rizzotto. I cover the San Francisco Giants for SF Bay. And I'm the host of RizzoCast, a podcast that features current and former big league players, coaches, fans, media, and others who are regarded as some of the brightest minds around the game of baseball. Today's guest is Greg Gibson, a former major league umpire who spent 25 years at the big league level from 1997 to 2022. He worked one all-star game, three wildcard games, 10 division series, five championship series, the 2011 World Series, and two World Baseball Classics. He was also the plate umpire for Randy Johnson's perfect game in 2014 and for Clayton Kershaw's 2014 no-hitter. He's now retired, and he's working for his own insurance firm in Kentucky. Greg joined me from Harry Wendelstad Umpiring School in Florida, where he's an instructor for the week. We had a really outstanding conversation about how umpires are viewed. Uh, we, I got his thoughts on on some of the new technology that could or maybe not are going to enter into the, the, the game coming up soon. You might know what technology that is. And his viral moment, which you also may know, and so much more. We talk about his journey coming up next on RizzoCast. This is episode number 128, and let's get started. All right, we are back. We are here with Greg Gibson, former Major League umpire, and Greg is nice enough to take the time and say hello. Greg, how you doing? Welcome. I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. There's sunshine here on the West Coast, so I think that's a, a new uh, <laughs> uh, something that we haven't had in the new year, so it's it's pretty great. For, I want to get into to where you're at right now, because first and foremost, you're live from the uh, Harry Wendelstad Umpiring School down there in uh, eastern Florida in the uh, the Daytona Beach area. It's kind of near there. And there's currently a batch of young, uh, aspiring umpires hoping to learn a thing or two about umpiring. Uh, what's the vibe down there? Give me a little bit of a rundown. Um, well, it's incredible. I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun um, for me to be here. Um, they kind of look, I'm, you know, I'm the retired guy now, uh, but I mean, I'm enjoying myself at 79. It's sunny. Um, it's gorgeous, but we got a good class. Um, every year in January, the major league umpires go to Arizona for meetings and Hunter called me and said, Hey, uh, since you're retired now, uh, would you come down and just kind of hang out at school while we're gone for the week? And uh, so that's, that's, I'm just, I'm kind of around my presence. You know, it's a chance for me to pass on some knowledge to uh, some of the students, but a lot of knowledge onto the uh, young instructors. The instructors here are all in the minor leagues, aspiring to uh, become major league umpires. And so it's, uh, it's we got a couple guys going to big league spring training. And so it's nice for me to sit down and say, hey, do this, do this, do this. You know, it, it's nice to be able to pass on that uh, knowledge to the next generation. So, Yeah, and it's been a Having while since. Yeah, it's been a while since you've kind of been in their shoes, but does being around them kind of take you back to being like a young and up-and-coming umpire oh. yourself? <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know, when I was going through the minor leagues, I taught at uh, the Wendelstead Umpire School. And, you know, I walk around and I watch these guys do it, and I'm like, you know, the processes and the 
the way they teach and everything, you know, I got taught how to do that, um, you know, kind of the process. And, and you watch these guys do what they do, and it's the same process. You know, we, we say it, 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 the names change, the process is the same. I mean, it, it's no different than the way uh, Scott Potter, Pat Connors, Sam Holbrook, myself, Hunter, when we were all, you know, young umpires in the minor leagues instructing. Uh, it, it's the process is still the same. And it's really, it's really cool to watch, you know, this 30 years ago was my first year on the Wendelstead umpire school staff. And to come back 30 years later and see these young guys doing exactly what we did and, the, and how it works and how you develop these guys. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty incredible. Uh, Harry was, you know, he was just an incredible teacher and incredible instructor of umpires. So it's, it's just cool to be a part of again. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and one of the things that I was wondering is cause you know, I, I I've seen some video uh, the past few days of, of the, uh, the school going on and, you know, I'm seeing they're working in the, uh, the batting cage and it's kind of a, like there's, there's pitching machines and all that. And the equipment is great. And the facility looks great. Do you think a lot of these kids and a lot of these guys are, are very like itchy to get right into live pitching? And then your job is to kind of go, okay, slow down. We're not there yet. You know, we got to get the mechanics down first. Are some of them like a little bit more itchy to do, you know, to move on a little bit in, in terms of like the advancement level? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, that, that goes without saying in anything you get into, but um, you know, what we're doing like right now, uh, we do what we're, they call control games where, you set up scenarios for, uh, a, you know, potential plays and, and uh, uh, rule interpretations and things like that on the field. But today we actually are going to, this afternoon, uh, about 2 o'clock, 2.30, we're going to do the demo for a live, how a live game will look. And then we actually have uh, high school teams coming in tomorrow. We go to live games tomorrow. So um, it's when, when I taught at umpire school, um, it was probably we had – somewhere between 36 and 38 working days on the field and the way it is now it's condensed down we've only got like 20 they've only got like 28 29 working days on the field so uh, it it moves along pretty quick um yeah these guys are ready to get live play and and all that but we teach it like you've never umpired before we start with the very basics putting your hat and mask on, um, two-man system. Uh, we, we teach it like they have never walked on the field ever before. And, you know, there's a pro- – like I said, it, we, I talk about the process. The process of now teaching them our way and getting rid of bad habits and, and starting to look like a professional umpire. Uh, that's one of the biggest things that we do. So, yeah, they'll be ready. They'll be excited. You know, we've told them what's coming. Um, and so it's, uh, it's going to be a fun day. It, let's say someone is, is kind of on the fence about maybe becoming an umpire, even like, you know, at the big league level, not just at the big league level, but let alone at the lower levels, too. Because I, I just got an email the other day, Greg, that that said that there was a uh, an official shortage at the the high school and college levels, and they they wanted me for whatever reason to uh, to become an umpire. But what would you say, like, it, it, how would you convince someone that maybe it's the right decision for them to be an umpire? Because I know it's not for everyone. It, it is not for everyone, but we do. It, it's a shame that we do have 
a major shortage of officials in every sport in our country. And the reason being is, you know, and I hate to say this, I, I stopped going to high school basketball games for quite a long time because the high, it was more about berating the officials and yelling at the officials. And, you know, I, I got just, you know, I would say to people, do you walk in your job and yell at people like that? I mean, we, we've become a society that they want with replay and instant gratification and somebody's got to be held accountable when my child or this was done wrong. Somebody's got to pay. Well, you know, the thing about sports in any sport is designed to teach. That's why little boys and girls play baseball and softball. It's designed to teach them you're going to fail in life. You're going to strike out. You're going to give up a home run. You're going to make mistakes. Life is full of failure. And we do not allow and our kids to fail. And now we have, and I hate to say this, a generation of parents that they lose their mind. I mean, literally. And the officials have gotten to the point, uh, you know, they're just not putting up with it. And, you know, I tell, I coached my sons in basketball in the offseason. And I would tell my parents, if anybody needs to say anything, it will be me. Other than that, I don't want to hear a word. And we have coaches now that we just have, you know, well, my kid's going to do this and my kid's going to do that. And, you know, I would tell people back home, I hate to tell you this, but I've only been on the field with two guys from our area of about a 50-mile radius, and that's it. You know, the chances of making it out of high school to college and then on the professional ranks. But sports can teach them that you do have to get up and go to, to work and get a job. It can teach them. You may not always like the decisions made at work. You may not always like who you work with. You may not always like who you work for, but you learn how to get along. You learn how to succeed. And you realize that life is tough. You are going to fail. You got to find joy. And, and we have gotten to the point in, in our country. And that's why officials are just saying, I've had enough. I'm not listening to the parents. I'm not listening to the coaches. And then what happens? When mom and dad's out of control, guess who's next? The kids are out of control. So it starts with mom and dad. It starts with how you act in the stands. And the other thing, too, is, you know, I, my feet never hit the floor. And I said, oh, let's see, let's see how we can mess up today. You know, you're out there trying very hard. These, <laughs> when you become an official, it's a certain pride that you have that you want to do a good job. Um, and so these, these people that are out officiating games, these ladies and gentlemen, you know, they're not going to be perfect. People have said to me since I retired, Hey, come umpire little league game for us. And I'm like, well, I'm very expensive to come out of retirement. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's, you know, you're, you, it, to be here at umpire school, this is five weeks to go through a professional umpire school and the sacrifices that the students have made to be here. You know, when they go back home, they should be, if they don't get into the pro ball, they should be heads and above everyone else locally. But uh, I know every official that I've ever met, amateur, pro, they take a lot of pride in what they do. And people need to realize nobody's out to try to screw your child or your son or your daughter. They are trying their best. Unfortunately, we fail just like they do. Yeah, no, I, no doubt about it. Absolutely. And 
and I, I laugh at the fact that, you know, it, it would cost a lot of money for you to come out of retirement, especially considering you'd be getting dressed in the parking lot. And that sounds like a little bit of a downgrade. Um, you mentioned the joy that comes out of umpiring. What was the joy that you found in it? And why did you want to become a, a big league umpire when you were younger? You know, it was, it was, I, I tell people all the time, I found my passion. Um, I didn't get into umpiring to become a major league umpire. I got into umpiring because I loved to walk on the field and umpire. Uh, I loved um, the challenge that came with it. I loved, you know, wanting to get better, wanting to learn um, the, the passion that I had to do that, you know, and, and it's, it's a big fraternity uh, to be around the guys, to be around, you know, other people that have that same passion. But I tell people, you know, at, at 19, I kind of found my passion. At 22, I went to umpire school, and I just chased it. And, and I was very fortunate, very blessed. You know, my passion turned into a wonderful career. I had a great employer, um, and, and I've been blessed beyond belief. Um, it, it's, it's an incredible experience. It was just my passion for what I did. You know, I, I got older. I've since, you know, I've got a different passion now that I'm chasing and following, and and I love that, but my passion to get on the field and come to umpire school, you know, people look at, you know, well, you fly for this, all the perks and the salary, and that wasn't why I did what I did, and that wasn't, you know, why I became major league umpire. I remember when I got my first league, first big league spring training, um, my wife and I were married, and the check came, and my hats came, and my wife sat at the table staring at the check, and I sat at the table staring at my hat. To me, I was more proud of the fact that I got my big league hats sent to me than I ever thought about the money. And my wife enjoyed the money, don't get me wrong. But it wasn't what, you know, it wasn't what drove me to do the job. What drove me to do the job was I just, I absolutely loved it. And you've seen kind of the the, the profession evolve in, in so many different ways. There's been technology upgrades. There's been uh, rule changes. Yeah. There's been scheduling changes with interleague play. And uh, there used to be the the umpires divided within the, the leagues, the American and National League umpires. And, you know, I think the biggest one is that, you know, you guys are in the spotlight and you guys are public more than ever before. Like if, if something happens, oh, yeah. it's on Twitter within seconds. Um, I mean, so since you've been in the game, what have kind of been those, those biggest changes, maybe positive changes that, that have stuck out to you that have made a big, big difference. You know, it's kind of funny. One of the young guys on the staff, they were asking me questions. We were, we were watching the Monday night playoff uh, NFL game. And one of the guys said to me, he said, you, you kind of, your generation bridged the gap between old school and the and new in the new way now with the technology, um, you know when I I tell I said it this morning, when I came to the major leagues when I started coming up and down in '97, not every game was on television. There wasn't regional Fox coverage in every big league town. I mean, we were still on the radio, and I remember the radio personalities, um, uh, Jack Buck, uh, Ernie Harwell, um, you know those guys were still prom, you know, primarily on the radio, and they came in the locker room a lot. Um, the Pittsburgh guys, I can't think of his names right now, but you know, we had a lot of uh, the broadcasters. It was the radio, and so you know, 
the technology of, you know, I remember the old guys talking about the red light coming on center on in center field. These guys now don't think anything of being on TV and then, you know, the box on television and then all the technology that's come down um, after every plate job in the big leagues, the last several years, I, I get a score on my, you know, they send it to me. I can look at my email on my phone. I can pull video up on my phone, you know, whereas we had old VH, VHS tapes, you know, and the old guys, if you looked at a play after the game, they would say, oh, let's get the popcorn. We're going to the movies. Why are you looking at that? That was what, that was the call you made. That's what you did. You know, that, that's what it is. That stop. And, you know, our generation was study video. Our generation was use video to get better. And now all the technology that comes at these guys, it's, you know, it's unreal. The numbers, the data, um, you know, we're a data driven society now, but you know, that having that at the, in the palm of your hand, you're getting on a flight, you finish up the plate and, you know, Boston, you get on the flight the next morning, going to the next town and, you know, you're pulling up your plate job to see how you scored last night see what what pitches you miss what you know the technology is amazing the, the one thing that i do like you know uh i've missed game ending plays you know we have replay now that can kind of save an umpire no umpire should ever have another play named after them you know they're thinking your play there's been other plays but you know that's the one thing i do like there's other things about replay i don't like um you know it, it's become we don't really play baseball all the time. Uh, you know, we're, we're more worried, you know, about looking at, well, the pitch was in the box or out of the box. And, you know, I, I had a situation last year, I had a young catcher come out and tell me, Hey, uh, you know, that pitch in the, the top of the second, well, it, I said, stop. <laughs> what do you mean? He looked at me and says, what do you mean? Stop. I said, stop. I said, first of all, you can't come out and tell me I missed a pitch by technology. And I said, second of all, they never trained me to be perfect. They trained me to be consistent and, and I'm old school. Um, and he was like, well, some guys want to know. And I said, well, I ain't some guys and I don't want to know. I said, but I can promise you this young man, I will be consistent all day long. We get to the ninth inning. He turns around and looks at me and he says, you're right. You were consistent. I'll give you that. And it's, you know, it, it's the young guys coming up now. They shoot 99, a hundred every night. Um, and it's, it's, it's the changing of the guard. Um, you know, 10 of us retired and, you know, probably for the better um, because, you know, the, with the technology and the things that they want, I wasn't trained that way. It wasn't that I ever missed a pitch on purpose, but I was trained that what you started with in the first inning, you better be calling in the ninth. Day. Uh, you don't, you know, you don't just make up pitches. You don't, what you start with, you finish with, you learn to be consistent. And, you know, the low pitch, the high pitch, um, just certain things about the job that, you know, calling balls and strikes, everybody thinks that we just do what we want to do. Not, that is not the case. That is not the case at all. Um, we, we do, these guys do their best every night to get every pitch right. Unfortunately, it goes back to what I said before. They're going to fail. They're going to miss a pitch. You know, you never want to miss a pitch uh, in a crucial moment. But does it happen? Yes. Do you miss plays in a crucial moment? Yes. There is replay for that. But I know there's all the talk with ABS and a challenge system and all that, and they're trying different things. 
the bottom line is this. It's been a game that's been played for hundreds and hundreds of years, or hundreds of, or a couple of hundred, well, 125, 30 years now. It is not designed to be perfect by the people that play it and especially by the people that officiate it. Yeah, I feel like I don't even have to ask about the robo-ump system. You kind of hit the nail on the head there. And and just to add on to that, I mean, I read that you almost had a near-perfect game behind the plate uh, in 2018 in one of the championship series games between the Dodgers and Brewers. It was something like 99.3%. And if we look at the nightly, because, you know, sometimes there's um, – you know, third party people that track uh, the the percentages and all that. And they're really good. They're in the high nineties a lot of the time. So I think it really is interesting uh, that, that baseball is, is thinking about going to, to, to new technology to kind of uh, change and, the way. And now that I'm retired, I, I'm, I'm going to say this, we're coming up on the season. There are a few websites out there that put information out on our guys. That is not true. Um, Joe West has mentioned it. Other guys have mentioned it. You know, uh, there is a certain website. I'm not going to say the name, but I think everybody can figure it out. They put information out there about our guys, and it is not the same scoring system that our guys are scored by. And, you know, it's not right. It, if uh, We have video proof that there are some teams, the box is set one way, and the box is set for the same game, the same pitch. The other broadcast team has the box at a different location. We got video of that. And so it kind of, I can say it now, everything that you see and read and hear ain't always true. You know, when you watch a game, if that umpire is being consistent, that's what you want. That's what you desire. Uh, They're not going to be, you know, they talk about robot umpires. Well, that ABS system doesn't always track every pitch. You know, you've got a, you got live action in 3D with every, and the thing about it is every every one of our ballparks, there's they're different. You go to an NFL field, it's all the same dimensions. You go yep. to the NBA, it's the same dimensions. You go to the NHL, it's the same dimensions. You watch uh, Major League Soccer, it's the same dimensions. Well, every ballpark is different. Cameras are put in different locations. Uh, tracking systems. I know they've got the big track man or whatever right behind home plate, but we have shadows. We have some ballparks with air conditioning. We have different, I mean, there's so many things that go into this thing being calibrated that it's not always 100%. You know, it's not even an ABS system. It's not going to totally be perfect. You know, again, it go back to the same baseball is not designed to be perfect. And you got to, you know, now, it's it's all about well you know this we got to take a step back take a look at it and say okay you know if we get 99 98 consistently that's pretty daggone good that's very good the umpiring today is better than it's ever been better than it's ever been and a lot of guys are going to say there ain't no way the reason why it looks like it's bad social media if we had social media, when I started coming up and down, they'd had a field day. <laughs> um, the umpiring, you know, everything wasn't on television. Everything's not on social media. Everything's not glorified. You talk about Twitter. There's been times my boys have called, my sons have called me after a game and like, hey, Dad, you blew Twitter up in the third inning. Um, <laughs> well, I didn't mean to blow Twitter up. But everybody now with social media feels like they need to have 
input or opinion or, you know, uh, and it's the day and age we live. And, you know, got to understand, it's an incredibly hard job to do. Not everyone can do it. And it's never going to be perfect. No matter how bad they try, it is never going to be perfect. Now, are you going to be intrigued? This is a, a separate issue now coming up here. Are you going to be intrigued to see how this whole new shifting regulations are, are enforced? Yeah, I mean, I feel sorry for our guys. I mean, uh, there's so much to do as far as call a major league game and the scrutiny that you're on. And now they're asking so much more of our guys, you know, with pitch clocks and things. And um, do I think it's going to be good for the game to, you know, increase – viewership or what I'm all about it if it helps get more people watching our game and get our you know but again uh, they've had shifts I just think that you know it's like anything else in life they took it just a little too far and now we've got to overcorrect it uh, where if we had just been playing baseball um, the way it was originally designed to be baseball uh, but there's such an emphasis on winning and getting the edge and using technology and all the data you know, you can throw that out the door when um, when the game's on the line. It's all about the heart of the person that makes that pitch or makes that hit or makes that call. I mean, you got to have um, you just got to have the ability to do it, and that's kind of hard to define with with data. Yeah, and and now kind of going to some of the the things that you've gotten to do during your career, you had the chance to work the world baseball classic in 2009 and 2013 and it's coming up again in march and it's still kind of like in its infancy it's kind of still a rather new i think this is maybe the fourth or fifth one that they've done and you know maybe the popularity wasn't what it is now when you work them but did you understand kind of how big of a deal the wbc would be and what it would turn into because like now it's like something that everybody's looking forward to all these countries are involved it's kind of like putting baseball on the national spotlight in terms of you know the where all these players are coming from and they're getting to play for their country so did you realize how big of a deal it was no um you know it was for me it was a great experience i got to go to taiwan i got to go to mexico city um, I got to see a, a, to be able to go to Taiwan and see that culture and, and to be a part of those games and, and everything, you know, again, for us, it goes back to, you know, it's, it's a, it's a game I got to call, uh, but it's really kind of when they see, you know, talking about, you know, I'm a, I am a, I'm a fan of baseball. I'm not a baseball fan. I am a fan of baseball. And I like to see little kids play our game. I like to see, um, our game being promoted, you know, I gave over 30 years of my life to this game and, you know, I want to see it continue on, you know, um, we got to do some things to get our game uh, in the spotlight and spotlight, you know, there is a lot of great players. I mean, these people don't realize, you know, how talented these guys are that do this job day in and day out. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to be a part of that, to have a front row seat for all of it. Um, and, and it's really, it was really, you, you watch these guys play the game and there's times you go, uh, wow, that, that was incredible. You know, that was a good game or that was an incredible pitch or that was incredible play, but it's not like I'm going out and saying, oh, the door's my guy. You know, there's a big difference about talking about, you know, being a, a, 
a fan of baseball is being a baseball fan. And I am a fan of baseball. I want to see our game get promoted and get out there and, and um, let people really enjoy it. Yeah, that, that should definitely be a, another fun World Baseball Classic this spring. Um, this is this is one thing that everybody when I when I told some people that I was going to have you on, everybody wanted to know this because you had so, you've had something follow you around for like the decent chunk of your career. And it's like the most wildest and random thing. I mean, it was it, the standoff in the championship series in 2014 between the Dodgers <laughs> and Cardinals. It was Scott Van Slyke and Joe Kelly. And and like every time I think of you, I think of Ernie Johnson Jr. saying, Greg Gibson, the home plate umpire, motions to both players. And for whatever reason, because I, I think you mentioned it earlier, that the time that we live in with social media, people take the littlest things and turn it into these these big memes. Oh. So was that like the strangest thing, people coming up to you and, and saying, oh, Greg Gibson, the home plate umpire? <laughs> that, that was the biggest up to that point. You know, that's the NLC. It was 2012. It was the NLCS. It's game six. Somebody, it's an elimination game. Somebody's going home. And I got two guys, you know, I got the pitcher on the mound ready to go. Yachty's <laughs> laughing at me. Um, and I'm like, you know, it was, it was, I, I didn't know what to do. I was like, I'm looking at Jerry Davis, my crew chief. I'm looking at Mike Everett at third. I, I was like, get him off the field. Let's go. And nobody's doing anything. So I walk out and I do that motion with my arms. And that became a huge meme. I mean, it was, you know, and, I, and every season I tell my family, the last thing I want to do is become a meme. Uh, you know, that's kind of weird that you say that, but you do. Just, dear God, don't let me become a meme today. It went from, dear God, don't let me screw up to, dear God, don't let me be a meme. So, but yeah, that up to that point, that was one of the biggest games in my life. Um, and, you know, here I got that going on, but. Well, it's funny because it, Major League Baseball did not do you any favors. They made that the outro of like every video for the 2013 season. Like if you go on YouTube, that's the video that end. that's the video that they have at the end of every, <laughs> every single video. It ends with Greg Gibson, the home plate umpire. So that, I mean, it's, it's, it, I guess something, you know, for people that watch a lot of baseball videos, you were kind of like their spirit animal, I guess. <laughs> you know, I tell people the cool thing about that, my great great grandchildren will be able to see who I was. That's awesome. You know, think yeah. about that. You know, I mean, I have no idea who my great 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 grandfather. Re I've never seen a photo. My great 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 grandchildren, if they know anything about their history, they'll be able to pull up a photo and say, "Yeah, look there." You know, I mean, that's to think about that. That's that's what I think about. That that lives on forever. So. Yeah. Look, he's motioning the both players. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so yeah. a few more, few more here before we wrap it up. Uh, you, you umpired your final game in May of last year. I know that you were battling some, some COVID related health issues and long COVID. Um, yeah. And, and you were just named a crew chief too, right? If I'm not mistaken before last season, was it kind of a bummer, like not being able to play that through, you know, with the crew chief title? Uh, or or did you know yeah. that that last game would have been it? So many so many emotions going into last season. You know, it's something I've been working for towards a long time. When I started the season last year, I kept telling my crew, I kept telling my family, I kept telling my wife, something's wrong, something's wrong. I'm off. Something, um, you know, 
the, the two weeks leading up to me walking off the field, um, you know, I was miserable. Um, uh, even today, you know, I, I told, uh, I rode out to the fields with one of the guys and I said, you know, it feels like I have pneumonia every day. You know, it's, um, the effects of this have, have changed. You know, COVID is real. It changed my life. Um, uh, I had a, my blood oxygen level, the day I came off the field, my blood oxygen level was an 86. Um, it was kind of scary. Uh, it put a lot of stress on my heart, put a lot of stress, well, my lungs, which caused stress on my heart. Um, and, and it, it took a while to kind of figure out what was going on. Um, so I, I knew, I, I really only wanted to work just a couple more years. Uh, I did not want, um, I wasn't going to go much longer. And when this happened, um, you know, God opens one door, closes one door, opens another door. You know, there's some other things in my life and pursuits that I wanted to do. And, and, uh, you know, did it kind of stink that I didn't get a, you know, have my last game like Jerry Davis did or some of the other guys I've worked with did. Yeah. But when your cardiologist looks at you and says, by the grace of God, you didn't have a stroke. Uh, the night I walked off the field, my blood pressure was 198 over 131. And, they took it like five more times and, and then they called for everybody and it was bad. And, um, I would rather, you know, there's more life to live. It's, it's for me, it was never all about just being an umpire. Um, I always said, if I left this world and that's all I was ever known for, I, I didn't leave much of an impact, but, um, it wasn't the way I wanted to end it. But when I really started looking at some things and, and really started when the, the doctors tell you, why not be smart? I, I'd set myself up financially. And now I'm going to start living life and enjoying some things. And, and I was, you know, again, I am very grateful for the time I had. I am very grateful for the job I had. Like I said, I had a wonderful employer. Um, but, you know, it, it doesn't, it's not the end of the world. Um, it's great being down here with these young guys, but do I still have the effects of it? Oh yeah. Every, every day, every day, but you know, through pulmonary therapy and other things, we're getting better. Um, I got a long way to go. My doctors have told me it's, you may never recover. It may be another six, eight. There's so much they don't know about COVID. There's so much that they, it will take years for them to find out you know, what, how it affected everyone. Um, and so I'm very grateful I'm here. I'm very grateful for every day God gives me. And I'm very grateful that I have had the experiences that I had. And you know, it, it was an absolute, I told the class when I got down here, I said, it absolutely made my life. It, it absolutely, I look back on it and it was just, I love, you know, I loved walking on the field. I didn't like a lot of the other things that came with it. But I loved walking on the field and working hard and doing my job. And at the end of the day, I could walk away saying I'm blessed. Let these young guys have it. I'll be rooting for them. Let's see how it goes. Yeah, and I, I always hear the, uh, the the stories of how athletes are, are kind of thankful that they had the chance to go back to school and finish up college or whatnot. And I know that was a big deal for you, too, a, f a few years ago. And, and now – 
um, you're you're running your own insurance agency. And uh, so tell me a little bit about Greg Gibson Insurance down there in Kentucky and, and kind of what it meant uh, for you to to go back down. Because that's quite the segue from major league umpire into insurance. Uh, and then uh, well, I'm sure the business side of it really intrigues you. It wasn't a big switch because, you know, umpires, insurance, you're a necessary evil. Uh, you kind of need both. Uh, so I kind of understood the, the, you know, I, other insurance agents were like, why do you want to do this? And it's like, well, why do you want to be an umpire? I mean, they don't understand that um, it, it's kind of my world and it's not a big deal and I, I get it. But, you know, I had worked with a lot of men, you know, that had retired and didn't last long. And um, I didn't want to be a, I didn't want to be a patch on the sleeve and, and I didn't want to stay too long. And I always said that I was going to retire uh, when they still thought I was good. <laughs> and, you know, it hasn't, with some of the changes, I'll be honest, it hasn't been a lot of fun. Some of the things about it I haven't enjoyed, uh, but I've been on the road 32 years. And um, I always said, I'm going to get out of the way to let a young guy have my job. And I'm so happy I did, but it was something I started pursuing uh, back in 16, I was a state farm agent in waiting, uh, worked for Bob Munich insurance for two years. Uh, state farm kept asking me where I got my degree. And so one day I got, the, got in my truck and drove down to Eastern Kentucky. And I met a gentleman by the name of, uh, Burke Christensen, who was the Dean of the risk management insurance program at EK Eastern Kentucky university. And, uh, they helped me finish my degree, uh, they didn't give it to me. I had to go, when I was home, they knew my schedule. When I was home, I had to drive to Eastern or Richmond, Kentucky and take my test like any other student. Um, and I, 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 since then I've got went back my CIC specializing in commercial. Um, and you know, I, I've become an insurance nerd. I read all about, you know, a lot of things about now It's it's what's become my new passion. Um, I've got a great team at home right now, um, but for me, I start. You know, it was it was to build something of my own. Uh, I started scratch, meaning I didn't buy a book. I didn't buy. I start. I was my first customer, and we jumped in and learned the business. We've jumped in and, and really done well, and, and I love it. It's. Um, I look forward to going to my office. I look forward to I, my dog Rocky. He's with me. I got customers that come in to visit Rocky, not me. Um, so, I mean, I, I love, I love the fact that, you know, they don't teach a man how to retire and I've been fortunate enough and blessed enough to have two careers. I really feel passionate about. Yeah. And the next time someone comes in there asking for like a good driver discount for their kid, you don't have to like, you know, take off the mask and like eject them or, you know, <laughs> or, or anything like that. So, no, you know, it, it's kind of funny because there's been times I tell my carriers, um, my job is to make everybody play fair when there's a claim issue. And I don't feel like a company, it's like the same, my umpire job. It's such a, a natural transition for me because on the baseball field, my job was to make sure everyone played fair. The enforcer. And that's what I did. And there's been not really the enforcer, just the one that says, that's not fair. This is what you need to do. You know, this is not right. Uh, on the baseball field. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, my job was to enforce the rules. My job was to make sure that everybody played fair. And there's been times I've told my customers, you're wrong. You're not doing right. I'm sorry. And there's times I've told carriers, 
you're wrong. You didn't do right. You need to fix, you know, I, I make everybody play fair. And, and uh, I have a different approach to insurance than most agents do. Um, you know, I, my that's my job. You know, my job is to take care of what's right, to do what's right, to be transparent and do what's right. And I feel like we do a very good job of that because what I did on the baseball field for 30 plus years. So it's, I love it. hundred percent. Well, anyway, Greg, I appreciate the time. Uh, and if you ever need anybody to come down the umpiring uh, camp and uh, have someone like do a mock standoff as like a prop, just call me and I'll, I'll take the next red eye flight down and uh, <laughs> y- you could teach them to, uh, to, to motion to those players. So keep motioning to those players. Oh. Thanks for coming on. And I appreciate the time. <laughs> Got it, man. Thank you very much. All right, everybody. Greg Gibson on RizzoCast. And, of course, uh, you guys can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at RizzoCast. Go check us out. YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your podcasts. And uh, new episodes coming out soon. Stay tuned and see you next time.